welcome to Live Your Truth Now, a show where we explore the greatest story ever told, which is the one that you're living right now. I'm Mike Ligori. And I'm Katie D'Andrea. And today we are going to be breaking down, Katie, you ready for this? Self-limiting beliefs. I have been hearing this from all of my friends, probably more than I've heard anything else, probably even more than the election. It seems like it's something that sits on the top of their mind where so many things go well in their life. They're like, I can do this. This is amazing. I'm such a positive thinker. And then what my, one of my friends calls it head trash comes in, tells them, you suck. You can't fucking do it. You're a loser. You bring no value to the table. And that was one of the reasons why I thought it'd be so great for us to have an episode today about this. And you... We talked about you last episode, but you are certified in ontology. I got that right, ontology. Ontological coaching. Ontological coaching. Okay. Don't worry. Most people (laughs) don't know what that is either. (laughs) I have, you know, even when you talked about it last episode, I was like, okay, I kind of know. And then now I'm sitting across from you today and I'm still like, I have like like no clue what that is. So if you're tuning into this episode as your first one, go back and listen to the first one where I break down what ontological coaching is and how to get unstuck. Using your way of being as the platform. I love that. Unstuck. Mm -hmm. That seems like a theme also for 2020. But today, you know, with self-limiting beliefs, you're an expert in the science of these beliefs, these narratives that we've actually talked about. And you bring so much to this front from a value perspective on what you know, you're certified in this until I'm going to, I'm going to screw this up. Say it for me again. Ontological coaching. Okay. Everybody out there, if you guys say that 10 times fast and you send us a video on Instagram, let us know. And you get we'll... a free coaching call. 30 <laughs> minutes free... of Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, free 30 minutes of Katie. So yeah, let's just get into it. You're a positive person. And I'm just going to say this hypothetically. You're a positive person. You do the meditation. You journal. You do what the, the quote, the gurus say, right? And you sit there and you think, I work out. I have like this great mindset. It is like stone cold, like positive 100% of the time. And then you get these thoughts in your head. Where do they come from? So for my own exploration of myself, my thoughts, my narrative, and working with clients to help them do the same thing. Well, first of all, the thing I'm fascinated by is that thoughts are just things. There are things that are in tune with our vibrational state. And what do you mean by vibrational state? For those that for those sure. people that don't know anything about metaphysics or quantum physics or anything with energetic fields, mm-hmm. what is what is that? I love the grounding question. Mm-hmm. I try to ground what I'm saying so that it is tangible. So that it makes sense to people regardless of where you like what you believe and how you believe it. A vibrational state is the frequency of your being. Every emotion has a frequency attached to it. Uh, my, my favorite way to describe this is when you're out with your friends or you're hiking or you're doing something you're a- you absolutely love and you are lit up. My best guess is that you're not having any thoughts that are negative. It's all about how beautiful this place is or how great it feels to be alive or how much you're enjoying connecting with a friend that you're adventuring with mm. or maybe how great that snack will taste. Yeah. That's because the thoughts have a vibrational state attached to it. And it's almost like a magnet. It's like the right level of magnetism up between the thought and the vibrational state. And when you're living in like a below the line state and you are doing something you absolutely hate, let's say you're being forced to do something tedious at work and you're just a visionary 
the thoughts that you'll have are pretty much like, I hate this. This sucks. I can't wait to get out of here. We've all been there. Yeah. We all have been there. right? Right. And so that's what I mean by thoughts are just things. They are literally pulled from this like infinite library from the universe because no thought is unique, even though we like to think we're unique. Yeah. Why is that? Why do we think because that, we all want to be special. Yeah, sure. Oh, we really want to be. Our yeah. ego craves being unique and it craves being recognized. And so just as much as the ego, and I'll try to bring this back full circle, Yeah. Uh, just as much as the ego craves to be successful and craves recognition and craves satisfaction, uh, celebration, the I, it also exists to mm. protect you. With just like, where do they come from in general? One thing that you said that really stood out was experiences drive kind of the thoughts and the feelings, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if I'm out on a hike with my girlfriend or with my friends, the, what you're, and just, I want to understand this. You're saying that basically the people I'm around, the experience that I'm having right now will create either a happy or a sad thought. Is that, is that accurate? Did I get that right? Or yes. Wrong? The container's really important. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean by the container? The container is like the space in which you are being held in. So that could be outside with friends. That could be you and I in this room right now recording right, right. this podcast, which feels like a really satisfying and fun place for both of us yeah. because it's, we're in our flow. Sure. Um, and so the container is uh, a combination of environment, people, and general moods and emotions that are like being that are in that space. Oh, got it. So would you say that this experience, right? Like, let's say this experience right now is predetermined. Like, am I born to have this be a desirable experience for me? Or is this something that's learned over time through series of events or patterns? Good question. I have no idea. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. I can say that there are things that I enjoy now that I never did before. And there are things that I've always enjoyed. Like I am a creative at heart. I love making things with my hands. Yeah. I love talking with people. Speaking of creative, if anybody knows the answer to that question that Katie and I don't know the answer to, message us, please. We would love to hear takes on that. We'll put our handles in the show notes as well as you guys can get in touch with us on social media. But Katie and I don't know the answer to everything. What we do know is, is that we're open to receiving what other people are experiencing out there. So. Just make sure that you hit us up on social media. We would love to hear what you guys think about this conversation. Yeah. Anyway, back to what we were talking about before. So I think specifically with this year, 2020 has created a lot of doubt for people. The things that were once stable, the whatever you want to call it, the system that was in place where people would commute to work and then they would go home. They'd spend time with their loved ones. It seemed like that was the floor. COVID came in and kind of ripped all that out. And so I, I think the word of the year for me at least is uncertainty mm-hmm. and there's doubt that comes in. And I talked about this in the beginning of the episode that this time right now, I think I've heard self-limiting beliefs more than about who's going to be president of the United States and like the current political situation in our country. So do you, and I guess in your expert opinion, do you think that because that floor has been taken away from us, that has contributed more uncertainty and doubt in the thought process of what people are experiencing on a day-to-day basis? For sure. Well, the first thing I would love to say is that I am a keen learner, but by no means an expert on any of this. And 
for me, what shows up when I say expert is like the self-limiting belief that I'm not an expert. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, who am I to step into this space? Who am I to proclaim that I know everything? It's just like you. I'm just figuring out this human journey on my own with the support of my family and my friends. And so it's so interesting to observe what happens in my body when you say expert. It's almost like a like a little bit imposter syndrome. Yeah. So tell me about imposter syndrome overall. Oh man, that is, we need like six episodes on that. Well, trust me, we have a lot more we could be making, but I think touching on imposter syndrome, that's more what people commonly refer to as when they step into something that they don't think they're qualified for. Mm -hmm. Do you know where that generally comes from? Is that a learned, is that like something that maybe the research shows it comes from parents? Does it come from like friends? Does it just come from the atmosphere that you're in or environment that you circle circle Mm -hmm. yourself with? The word that comes to mind is just inherent value, Mm -hmm. recognized inherent value. And what I love about the type of coaching I was trained in, ontological coaching, is that it's a combination of your moods and emotions, your language and your body language. That's your observer built on a foundation of your history and your culture and your prior experiences. And what I've enjoyed somewhat, I say this with furrowed eyebrows because it's been (laughs) an excruciating experience. Um, And what I enjoy helping my clients do is unlearn the behaviors that they learned at an early age. So much of our conditioning happens between the ages of four and eight. I didn't know that. So much. Wow. So it's generally, we create this thing um, in Landmark. Landmark is uh, a program that was created in the seventies, originally called EST. Um, One of the greatest gifts I ever got was learning my act. So your way of being that enables your success, but also feeds on your failure. So it's like your ego. It only lets you get so big. And then it also brings you back down so that you're safe and you're, you're whole of certainty because our brains are wired for certainty. So when I was little, I was left at home and I was distraught. I was very attached with my parents. And from that moment on, I was like, they'll never forget me again. Like I will never be forgotten. And that happened at seven. And I remember ever since then, I have been like loud and I have been fully present and I have been in your face and not in an obnoxious way, but like people, I make sure that I'm noticed. Mm. And I really believe that was a, a result from being left at home and being forgotten. No kidding. Yeah. And that's that's called your act. So I really, that is one of my favorite exercises to do with my clients because it shows up every single day Mm. in my professional life, in my work life. And it serves a purpose, right? Like the imposter syndrome serves a purpose. Our act serves a purpose. Can I ask you why, why does it show up for you every single day? Like no matter, you know, we talked about this earlier, no matter what you do, that head trash is still there or those negative beliefs are still there. Like for you, I guess, why does it keep showing up? Even though you're so aware of, aware of it, you combat it with maybe more positive reinforcement of exercises or um, mental practices like yoga or meditation or, you know, Wim Hof breathing. Why A lot it of it is like yeah. root cause analysis. So when um, Mike asked me to be on this podcast, honestly, it tickled my act, right? I was like, wow, I can have my voice heard. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I asked myself, is it really having my voice heard or is it having my message shared? And then I Mm -hmm. said, okay, my message. What if I was the vehicle for helping people break through their their self-limiting beliefs and their narratives that don't serve them? Mm -hmm. 
And so my role in this podcast, I see as like the channel from everything I've learned before, all the work I do on myself and the conversations I have with my client, like literally everything that I am the canvas for, I want to be, this podcast is a way to have that exponentially heard and received by more people so that more people find healing, growth and expansion and whoever they are and what they want their story to be. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful that you just said that too, because you know, the purpose of this show is helping people write the greatest story ever told. Damn straight. So for all of you listening out there, one of the things that I want you guys to keep in mind is that when we talk about writing the greatest story ever told, that means Katie and myself are writing our greatest story ever told as we're doing the show. We are not completed products. We are not finished products at all. Like Katie had mentioned before, she is a keen learner. I am also consider myself an avid learner. I like trying new things. I like saying I don't know if I really, truly don't know something. The greatest gift. Yeah. A beginner's mindset. Oh my goodness. People think as we get older, oh my gosh, that we have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I don't know and I am learning are two of the greatest gifts you could give yourself, your family, your friends, your managers, your managees, anyone you work with. Yeah. Because you ego, can't learn right. anything if you know it already. Well, and you, you know, the ego part of it too, actually, I think doesn't like you saying that. Oh gosh, no. Because they're like, you don't know. I want to look good, man. Yeah. Right. Like, or you should know this. If you're recording a podcast right now, you should have everything figured out before you start talking and sharing your message with people. You know, I also want to like bring it into this more of the science based approach when we talk about research and we talk about what people have found that are actually conducting this type of stuff. And is, is it neuropsychology that we're that we're discussing here? Is that what it is? Okay. So with neuropsychology specifically around the the root cause of uh, of self limiting beliefs. What's the research saying out there right now? Do you do you have like a study or something that you that you found in, that you find interesting? I guess uh, that you could share with us and tell us a little bit more about it. That is a fantastic question. I I don't have a particular study. Part of the work that I do for my strategy consulting and facilitation firm uh, that we actually blend with Strengths Finders is a whole workshop on brain science. And if I were to sum it up. It would be that we take in this proliferation of information every single day. And as fast as we possibly can, faster than we can measure, we have to sort, process, and discard anything that's not in line with our worldview. And our worldview is how it's almost like I'm putting my hands above my eyes. It's like goggles. Yeah, makeshift goggles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really cool goggles, you know, (laughs) goggles that you don't know are on your eyeballs. They're so transparent and part of, well, we create our worldview starting as soon as we become conscious and we develop like cognition, like at two years old. So two years old, we have developed consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're starting to recognize, yeah. Like what's going on? If I do X, what is, what's, what's Y consequence. And that's the research. That's what the research is saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's what I've studied from research and from my own consulting and coaching throughout our lives. We create this like colander, I guess you could say, I don't know if that lands for anyone. But basically what I mean is... Isn't a colander what you put salad yeah, in? Okay, got a it. A colander or you strain pasta. And so yeah. when you think about that, you put everything in the colander. And what is not 
what, what is maintained is the stuff that you want to make meaning of Mm. and you discard everything that's not in line with that meaning making. So we really strain what we put into our like conscious and subconscious based on, does it fit with what I think I know about the world consciously and unconsciously? Mm. And so it's like the sorting mechanism of like the majority of information comes in, the majority gets sorted out and the information that we, that we store has some sort of like an emotional resonance. It has a cog- cognitive resonance and that we put it somewhere. I don't know. Like, I mean, we, there's parts of your brain where that happens, but that's like on a, like a surface level, that's how we sort information. Um, and the most important part of that is just the unconscious sorting in line with your worldview. Mm, that we learn over time. That we learn over time. Right. And so to understand this foundationally, let's say from a very young age, I like, let's say I like apples, right. And I'm, and I'm like totally f- like freewheeling here, folks. So if I get off track, I'll, I'll come <laughs> back. I promise. So if I like apples and I find out I like apples at a very young age, but you only I, like the red ones, they only like the red ones. Yeah. Okay. So I only like red apples and I see all of this information or content about how great green apples are for me or, uh, you know, Fuji apples, whatever the case may be. What you're saying is, is my brain will take in that information and sort through it. The facts that I've read, the information, process everything. And the foundational belief of, I only like red apples, right? Becomes the thing that that information I'm absorbing sticks to. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In essence like that. And then, so then it's almost like the funnel gets deeper. So the more you realize, the more you think you like red apples and the more you taste a red apple, the more refined your thinking will be that you only like red apples. Hmm. And then it'll become to a point where you almost think like you're like allergic to green apples, but it's only because of like living into that reality that it strength, it almost strengthens like the neurological fiber connection. That's interesting. So it's almost like for people who want to do podcasting, right? You know, I've had friends who say, my friend told me I should do a podcast. (laughs) I don't think I'm very good at podcasting. So before they even do it, that foundational belief, the seed has been planted already. But if they start reading all these articles that say podcasting is the best way to do this or why you should start a podcast, you know, all the stuff, you know, all the shit we see on social media, essentially that foundational belief of them saying, I don't think I should do podcasting is going to be that colander filter for them to decide if they should do it or not. Sure. Unless like the hole becomes bigger, right? Or unless they they read something that's, that shifts their perspective of themselves and what's possible so significantly that all of a sudden like a connection breaks and they're like, Oh, maybe I could do this. Mm, Interesting. So with the science, and now that we've talked about kind of the root cause of how we process information and we didn't want to go too deep for you guys. Cause I mean, Katie and I were talking about this before we were started recording today. And (laughs) I remember you saying to me, you're like, man, I could go really deep with this. And I was like, yeah, I know we could. But I think for us today, being able to just give you guys this foundational basis of what Katie and I are exploring when it comes to the stories that you are telling yourself and specifically through self-limiting beliefs, um, you know, we want to keep it as 101 Mm. as possible in this. And I think 
Katie, all the things that you're saying from the science standpoint about, you know, using the apples kind of analogy in the situation with, and, you know, or maybe people saying, I'm not good enough at something. This is how I filter through all the information in the world, whether it's positive or negative, that foundational belief has been planted at such a young age. And that's a hard thing to get rid of, Mm -hmm. right? It's like wiring. When I tell people, I'm like, we are rewiring your brain. Yeah. And that's, and that is not easy to do. I've been trying to do that for almost a decade and I'm still like, I still got thoughts in there from the time I was like 10 years old. Sure. sure. Earlier. And I'm trying to like, yeah, earlier, right? Well, four to eight. And I'm still like trying to pull things out of my brain. Then I'm like, wait a minute. That was like when I was 10 years old, 20 years old. Why am I still, you know, 30 years old? Why am I still thinking that now? To the practical application part of this episode, let's talk about like breakthroughs, right? And and how does one say, all right, Katie, You've told me exactly, you know, how this, how this shit works. I've seen your research. I've, uh, I've, I've heard what you're saying. Mike's also said some stuff too, that resonates with me. All right. I'm tired of this crap. I don't want to wake up every morning living with imposter syndrome, living with the fact that I can't do something. Mm. What would you say is, is maybe the most important point or one of the most important points when it comes to breaking down these self-limiting beliefs that we create for ourselves or we've learned from environments. The first thing I want to say is to go back to the bit about brain science. And the reason why I love the brain science part is because it takes away the shame, the blame, and the guilt of why you have these self-limiting thoughts in the first place. Like from a physical level, our brain is wired to maintain homeostasis. Okay. And what is, and what is homeostasis? Because I learned that in fifth grade and I probably forgot it. And I'm sure somebody out there is like, yeah, me too, dude. Um, so what exactly is that? It's towards certainty and away from uncertainty. So being able to conserve energy to be able to fight off from like a caveman perspective, a potential threat, an animal being able to conserve energy to fight for, to find food if you don't have it. And so we love the uncomfortable comfort, the uncomfortable certainty of knowing what is probably and likely going to happen. Mm. So our limiting beliefs exist to serve that purpose because it keeps us in an area that is familiar because a familiar pain is more appetizing than an unfamiliar pain. Would you say that's the reason why, um, people that some of the common, I guess the consensus out there is like the more, the most growth you'll experience is in times of discomfort. Is that- oh, hell yeah. yeah. Any Valley I have, I'm like, Oh man, this is a Valley. Okay. You got it. Okay. Like I I'm big on lessons. So I'm like, what do you think the lesson is here to learn? Speaking of valleys that I've heard the peaks and valleys analogy a lot too. And we, we backpacking definitely- was a huge, like physical manifestation of that <laughs> lesson. I was like, wow, I really understand it now. We're going to have to talk about that though in a, in a future episode for all of you out there about peaks and valleys. If you haven't mm-hmm. heard of it before and how that contributes to your story overall, tune in because there's going to be stuff that we're going to talk about that, but please continue on. Go ahead. So back to valleys. The first step to any change is awareness. You can't change something that you're not aware of. And 90% of our thoughts every day are the same. Why is that? Certainty. I don't know. That's, yeah. like, that, so that, goes, that's, like, that's the sorting thing. Got it. So it goes back to that whole, the whole idea of, I only want to have information that resonates with my beliefs. I only want to stay in a zone of comfort. 
I don't want to go into somewhere that I don't know the end result of. Would you say that's accurate? I want to see what I want to see, whether I am choosing it or not, consciously. So in terms of how to have a breakthrough, the first step is awareness. Well, the first, actually, the first thing is is choosing. Yes, I want to work on this. Before awareness? Yeah. Okay. It's acknowledging that the pain is bad enough. You're tired enough of that current system that you are willing to go and enter uncertainty to shift a cycle that's no longer serving you. And what I have studied, because I have tried to fix my sister, my parents, boyfriends, obviously myself, (laughs) that doesn't work. It needs to come from the eye. The person that wants to change it. No, no one can make you change, but yourself. So it's the first one was like giving yourself permission to be uncomfortable. And then the second step is if you want to have a breakthrough is what's showing up. This person says this and I react like this. Oh, interesting. Get super curious. That's just a great question. Like what's showing up? Yeah. What's showing up? Like, what am I reacting to? Or why would you say why? You can do why. Sometimes the why isn't even that important um, because I think that can also be a rabbit hole. You can talk about why your dad was a jerk to you when you were five and that could be it. And no matter if he was a jerk or not, it's still impacting you in this here and now time and space reality. Hmm. So I'd say for the most effective use of your time, focus on how and what's showing up, not the why. Interesting. And what would you say is the, the other uh, or another important step before we move on to wrapping this, this awesome conversation up, what would you say is the most, like a third thing or mm-hmm. a second or a, another applicable step into facilitating these types of breakthroughs when it mm-hmm. comes to self-limiting beliefs? One of my absolute favorite thought leaders is Byron Katie. Oh, she's great. She's amazing. And she has this, she created this thing called the work and it's, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it true? Is the first question. Can I absolutely know that it's true? Who am I if I believe this thought? And then the fourth question is along the lines of what do I want to create instead? So That's if, great. if you subscribe to the belief that you create your own narrative, you create your own story, you get to choose the reality slash goggles you want to put on. What do you choose to believe instead? Because just as if you could have learned to believe that red apples are good, Watermelons could be the best. Does that make sense? It's a choice. It's chocolate or vanilla. It's apples or bananas, green apples or red apples. But there is also no right answer to that either. It's just what I think is better for my preference. Interesting. Exactly. So I'm so passionate about choice, becoming conscious of the power of choice. And we unconsciously choose to believe in these limiting beliefs and narratives because they feel so right. They feel so real. They are a similar pattern of pain. They keep us in exactly the same spot. They exist so that we have certainty and can make meaning out of the world based on this worldview. Because how crazy would it be that every day you had a different mind? That would be nuts. It would be insane. You would literally go crazy. Yeah. Um, Although subside right now, I'm reading the book, um, breaking the habit of being yourself by Joe Dispenza. I've never, I've uh, freaking nominal. So I know Joe Dispenza's work. 
And, uh, but I've never read any of his content. I've only seen him like pop up on my, my feeds and stuff. All right. You got homework, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of homework. <laughs> and, and all of you out there have homework too. We'll make sure we'll put Byron Katie's work mm-hmm. and then also Joe Dispenza's work in there. Before we get out of here for the day, once again, awesome job. Congratulations, like for being a part of the team. And like, you know, this was such a cool episode for us to do. In, in your experience, um, what would you say is one thing that you want people to really resonate with in regards to stories that the, the stories that they tell themselves? Because I think for me, when I think about it is the, the stories is that it's, you were talking about the power of choice, which I thought was so amazing. Um, that's what really stuck with me. And I think that's something that all of you out there should, uh, should think about today is the power of the choices that you make, but go ahead if you have one. Yes. I'm addicted to choice. <laughs> cool. I, oh gosh, one thing. Or something. It doesn't something, I, yeah. I, I want this to be super profound. Um, you're never stuck. You just believe that you're stuck. And so can you shift your thinking 10% so that you can see one new option? My fav, one of my favorite exercises is write your dream life. One, three, five, ten 10 years from now. What are you doing? What lights you up? How much money do you have? Who's in there? And use that blue sky thinking to help you identify the ways in which your life today is not aligned with that dream life. That's great. And then start choosing things in line with where you want to be, do, have, grow, thrive, and you're never stuck. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Well, Katie. Mike. A pleasure. As always, my friend. And thanks to all of you for tuning in this week to Live Your Truth Now. If you loved what you heard, not liked, if you loved what you heard, please share this with somebody close to you that needs to listen to this episode. Also, we are asking everybody out there because the show is new, please go to Apple and leave us a review. Every single review helps the show grow organically. So if you can go ahead and do that, we'll put a link in the show notes for you. We don't need some major paragraph. We just want something from your heart that speaks true to who you are and also what you heard today. Until then... Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time.